0: Welcome in to tailgate breakout candidates. We're gonna look at some of the 2021 NFL season breakout candidates on Mike's list. Also gonna look at the all rookie 2021 NFL preseason team best rookies at every position from the 2021 preseason and then do some obviously some cuts reactions. Cam Newton released Des Fitzpatrick released JJ Ortega Whiteside survives Travis Fulgham doesn't. Going to touch all of that on the podcast. And at the back end of the show, we have an interview with Washington football team running back Jarrett Patterson and Cal head coach Justin Wilcox. Let's get it. Cut day in the NFL. Big one. Yeah, that's what really is going to take up the catch and early buzz segment. Talk a lot about some of the cuts reactions. I also want to bring up this. Follow PFF underscore tailgate on Twitter because we are Thursday trivia and mailbag episode tomorrow on Thursday. If you submit questions via the DMs on the PFF tailgate Twitter, you could have your question on Thursday trivia or in the mailbag questions. You can also leave questions on Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review and drop a question in there. Those will be prioritized. What's next on tailgate? Oregon at Ohio State will be there September 11th in Columbus. Going to be a feature length film, Mike. Going to be just like Champagne was. Continuing the tailgate tour around the country. Let's start on catching early buzz. The biggest cut, the biggest release, what dominated the news cycle today was Cam Newton released in New England. Mac Jones named the starter in New England, and they also released Brian Hoyer. So Mac Jones is the only quarterback
1: in New England after Cam Newton well, and Brian Hoyer released. Jared Stidham. Okay, but he's hurt. Only healthy quarterback who was he may actually be the starter, Jared Stidham, according to everyone last year for the Shut Patriots. Shut up. But I. I wasn't as surprised as everyone else on Twitter caking their pants. If you heard it here on, if you were listening a fan of the show, you heard me say Mac Jones is going to be the start of week one. I just like, he was going to be the start of week one. He was that good one. And he was your first-round pick at quarterback, too. He was the future, slash is the future, will be the future. However you want to <laughs> put those together, conjugate that. Um, but Cam Newton, it would not surprise me if the reason he is not there anymore is because he has to not be there. We, the reports were last summer that he wanted a starting job or a place where he could compete for a starting job. Once that isn't the case, it wouldn't surprise me if he said, hey, I like playing football. I don't like holding a clipboard. I enjoy this. He's obviously made a ton of money throughout his career, is not, did not sign with the Patriots for a lot of money, uh, probably not in it for the money at this point in his career. He wants to play and be that guy. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if Cam Newton said, let me go pick a place where I can Have an opportunity to be that guy because right now, after Mac Jones is named the starter, pretty much however much a rookie is going to struggle at the beginning of his career, you're going to have to eat it as a head coach. Mm -hmm. You're not going to all of a sudden put Cam Newton in. Mac Jones was going to be that guy. Mac Jones,
0: a 92.2 PFF grade in the preseason, was the second highest graded quarterback behind C.J. Bathard, depending on how many dropbacks you asked for in that qualifying total. He obviously played... A lot better than a lot of people expected. I'd say even better than maybe what Bill Belichick expected so much that he earned the starting job. And that's why he's the starter. Now, why he was released is obviously some speculation. Was he asking for his release? But reporter Doug Kide, a national reporter here at PFF, said multiple factors.
1: Former former, former
0: Patriots, Patriots beat, beat writer. Report, P- yeah. Former Patriots beat writer. These are the reasons. couple factors in play with releasing Cam Newton rather than keeping him on the Patriots as a backup. His command of the locker room and his vaccination status. I tweeted out that Mac Jones balled out and Cam Newton's unvaccinated. Balling out got him the starting job. Why Cam Newton is not a backup quarterback I think is somewhat affected by the fact that unvaccinated players, according to NFL policy, NFLPA policy, if a COVID outbreak happens with unvaccinated players, not vaccinated players, unvaccinated players that leads to a cancellation of a game, you take the loss, none of your players get paid, you get fined heavily, and none of the players you were supposed to play – Get paid either, so I do think having a backup quarterback. Where in the best case situation, the best case scenario for a backup quarterback is what they play zero snaps. If he's unvaccinated and risking those losses, I do think that wasn't maybe the majority factor or the bulk factor, but it did play a role in why he was released.
1: Yeah, I do think no matter your thoughts on vaccinations, should you get vaccinated, whatever. If you're a backup, you as a as a football coach, as a football roster, the way the NFLPA negotiated. Vaccination rules. Yes, it behooves you as a head coach, as a GM, as a whatever, to if a guy is not a starter, to not have a guy who is unvaccinated on your roster. 100%. It just behooves you. That is what the NFLPA agreed to. And again, what, if you think that's fair, unfair, whatever that lives in your heart, that is the reality of this situation.
0: Throw your political or personal opinion of vaccinations <laughs> and COVID nineteen out the window. The game you're playing, yes. the game how it was structured by the NFLPA, is that if you're unvaccinated, you're gonna you could cost your team some L's, literally losses yes. in financial. And in the, on the in the win loss record, and to do that with a backup player would be a risk. And some people are like, "Oh, why does Kirk Cousins still have a job? You know, why do these other two players? Because Kirk Cousins is a starter, and he costs thirty five million dollars against cap. You know that, <laughs> that that that's why Cam Newton would be yeah. a backup in this situation, likely panned for or, or stood for his release, wanted to be released if he wasn't going to be a backup. And obviously the vaccination stats. So I do think that's kind of what the speculation is, and some of the reporting is, is that you know his command of the locker room, which you could say whatever about that. I, I kind of you know. A, ba- a backup quarterback can't have command in the locker room or likability. That's bullshit. That's bad culture. I do think more of it is the vaccination status, but also um, uh, the fact that he didn't run the starting job. All right. Off of that and on to <laughs> another wild release. Despot Patrick, former Louisville wide receiver, ranked outside the what? Top 300 on PFS final draft board. The number 212 player on the athletic consensus board was picked at 109. They traded up. Two, they traded three picks to move up 17 spots in the fourth round. The Tennessee Titans to draft Des Fitzpatrick has an underwhelming preseason, struggles to see the field, and is outright released. Now, if you are pointing any single finger or toe at Des Fitzpatrick, you are out of your mind. He did not bust. The Titans set unreal expectations for a player that obviously, by PFF standard, by consensus standards, was not worth the number 109 pick.
1: Yeah there's a lot there's a few different things to play here one um 109 is not out of character like this is an absurdly high for a guy to get cut his rookie season fourth rounders that oh 100 there guys get cut much higher than that what was it shakai polite was like a top 75 player got cut his rookie preseason so this isn't out of this isn't an absurd cut but i do think sort of at the time with the trade-up it kind of skewed what we know about wide receivers yeah, you can find there, you can find them, but second, third round. And there's not a lot of you just look at history of a wide receiver position on day three, which is obviously pick 109 where they got him at. It's not that good. F- for guys drafted that late in a wide receiver class, the amount that turned into number one wide receivers, it's like Brandon Marshall, you got Julian Edelman, who was a rare case, obviously, because he was um, not even a wide receiver. In college, you got Wes Welker. You have guys like that. There's just not a lot of wide receivers. Much other positions like O-line, uh, secondary, you can find a lot more on that, in that portion of the draft. So to give up what they did at the time for whoever it was, and we panned the Texans for giving up all that draft capital for, gosh, the Michigan wide receiver whose name's escaping me at the moment. But just giving up that much draft capital for a wide receiver at that point in the draft is usually not a good idea. I, I do think it's not just the 109 pick.
0: You, you spent a total of four selections on Des Fitzpatrick. You showed you were very confident in the player, very confident in your evaluation. Yeah. So much that, dare I say it, overconfident in your evaluation of Des Fitzpatrick, and it didn't pan out. And I don't think anyone's to blame, but the Tennessee Titans and, and that decision is not Des Fitzpatrick. That um, you know failed to meet, I mean, obviously failed to meet high expectations, but maybe he was never positioned to be that highly drafted of a player. Moving forward, Ardarius Washington and Geno Stone, some positive news here. Former top sixty players on PFF draft boards in twenty twenty one, Ardarius Washington, I think, was inside the top fifty five, and Geno Stone was somewhere similar. They both make the Baltimore Ravens team. Ah, oh,
1: I feel like a proud father. <laughs> my boys, my guys, my guys at safety that obviously the NFL did not see similarly, but now we're on rosters. And that's – not everyone does. And not everyone makes a roster, as we just talked about with Destus Patrick. Not every top 110 pick makes a roster. Those guys did. And, again, I I was saying it from the moment he didn't get drafted and went to the Baltimore Ravens, the perfect spot for him to excel. So – Glad to see. Glad to see I'm not completely terrible at my job sometimes.
0: Love that. You Honestly, love to see that. Yeah. Travis Fulgham released in Philadelphia. I think a lot of Eagles beat writers upset over that, especially after the season he had in 2020. That Not the season, the spark. Yeah, the, the, or, w- the game. Yeah, the game or two or three week stretch where a lot of people were talking Travis Fulgham. I think most of that being the DFS community. He gets released from Philly and what is already not, I wouldn't call a star studded. Receiving core. That's a lot of unproven talent. Devontae Smith, obviously the best talent there. And J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, your guy out of Stanford,
1: hangs on. Still in Philly. Mm. I mean, Fulham had 539 yards in 13 games. Like, it it was obviously more than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has had in his entire NFL career. But to be acting as if Fulham is this, like, oh, man, it's like a solid number two or quality starter that they just cut out of the blue, which... It just wasn't the case. It was the fact that the Eagles roster last year was so inept in a number of different ways, Uh, not only talent-wise, but also just sort of that offense as a whole and the quarterback position there. So I, I, this one, I I wouldn't be like upset if I'm an Eagles. Up in arms. You know, up in arms. There you go. Where would would you
0: rank this receiving core right now in Philly? Devonte Smith, Jalen Rager, your guy, Oof. J.J. Artheko-Whiteside. I'd include Goddard and Ertz in that conversation. Okay. Don't have to do an exact number, but is it top 15, top 20, no. top 25? I'd Where is say it's it? somewhere
1: in the neighborhood of around 20th in the NFL. Gotcha. It's a lot better. I that's that's me being high on Devontae Smith's Fair. talent, too. Ben Bredesen
0: traded, Baltimore Ravens traded him. That's when you know your offensive line depth is good. Yeah. Because he played Fourth well. rounder last year who was fairly solid this preseason. Yeah, fairly solid this preseason. Fourth rounder last year. Traded
1: to—I don't have the trade in front of me. Traded to the Giants, right? Yes, traded to the Giants. I believe it was like a sixth. Yeah, I would like to say. But I—this was an interesting. This was an interesting thing I wanted to bring up from just a pure scouting perspective and how difficult this is. Ben Bredesen on the same offensive line, same starter on that offensive line, Michigan offensive line, at the exact same position for multiple years as Mike Linewaynu. Bredesen left guard, Unwenu right guard. Ravens. Picking between the two in the fourth round, 143 overall. They go Ben Bredesen when Anwenu would also have fit their scheme. A 350 pounder in that scheme would not have, would almost be helpful. You would prefer the bigger offensive lineman. That's the way they've trended, you know, drafting guys like Orlando Brown, who they have over the years. Anwenu goes almost 40 picks later, 182 overall. Anwenu is immediately one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. Ben Bredesen now just gets traded for pennies on the dollar. That tells you how fucking hard scouting is. The fact that you can watch two guys on the exact same offensive line, in the exact same scheme, and come away saying, this guy is the better one for the NFL, when day one, the other guy was objectively not only better, much, much better. And it's just an interesting sort of conversation of, this shit's hard. And- is that
0: pure... I'm going to push there a little bit. Is that pure evaluating the two side by side and failing to recognize that a win is better? Or how much of that is also just resources allocated to each player specific scouts really i think there's a lot of factors in that you
1: know i think there's a, it's like everyone uh, had everyone had brassen over onwenu you oh, would really? be hard pressed outside of us pff, outside of PFF? who had who had onwenu over Breslin. you would be hard pressed to find a lot of people who had onwenu over Breslin. so maybe people, is that, that i think
0: you know groupthink kind of costing people there
1: i don't know i i'm just saying like onwenu also improved a lot like mm-hmm. he was a much different player and a much better player as soon as he got to new england and he lost weight from his career at michigan to then playing in new england And that can factor into how body how players dedication how their bodies develop that sort of thing is something that we don't get kind of behind the scenes access to at pff we don't get access to these strength coaches being like how much weight can this guy lose how much mm-hmm. how much strength can this guy add what's his body fat we don't have those numbers nfl teams do but i just wanted to highlight it as kind of like a test case for how difficult this can be and how it is a crapshoot at a lot of different levels I think what
0: what makes it a crapshoot, I think I I always kind of push on draft theory and why things are the way they are. I think what makes it a crapshoot is some levels of groupthink, some people forcing, like some people's decision-making being like, hey, I make the final decision. I like this guy. And we have seen time and time again, if you're just one person, it's very difficult as one person to be consistently accurate compared to, obviously, the consensus and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But either way, moving forward, um, I think... It speaks, like I said, it kind of speaks to what the Ravens have from a depth perspective. Looking at their offensive line, um, you know, Ronnie Stanley. Now you have to think Ben Cleveland, I think, is on the NFI list, but still could be an option there if he when he gets back healthy. They have Ben Powers, Patrick McCrory, all depth players. And then starters, Bozeman, Seatler, Alejandro Villanueva. The interior looking pretty deep in Baltimore. Moving to John Brown. John Brown, the veteran, signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. I remember us calling that. A budget free agent signing. Interesting that he didn't pan out. I, I think that speaks to how much they have faith in Henry Ruggs actually filling that role in their office from this season. Also, obviously, the Terrell Owens-Randy Moss hybrid, the training camp phenom, Brian Edwards, you know, second-year player, third-round pick out of South Carolina. Those are going to be their starters. And Hunter Renfro in the slot. It's a very young receiving core. I think the only only known quantity there is Hunter Renfro, and even he his ceiling isn't particularly high. John Brown released from the Raiders. Your reaction?
1: Yeah, I'm obviously surprised. I thought he still had some good years left in him, but I would say it's probably because he's kind of I will say redundant at this point. But I I think he's probably lost a step. He was injured throughout last year with the Bills. Um, He might not just be the guy that we've the smoke that we've come to know when you lose a step as a speed receiver and you can't stack that wide way on the outside, all of a sudden, or that cornerback on the outside, all of a sudden that can, uh, that can go from you quickly. That's sort of your calling card.
0: Only 32 preseason snaps played with the Las Vegas Raiders. I think you only had what three targets, one reception, two yards, not enough to stick around in Las Vegas. Last one here before we jump to the other segments, Um, the pup update, the pup date, the Paw patrol patrol. I don't know. Pumped David up. Bakhtiari, Green Bay Packers left tackle. Michael Thomas, the New Orleans Saints wide receiver. And Stefan Gilmore, the cornerback for the New England Patriots. All stars at their position, I'd argue. Starting the season on the pup, that means they will miss at least the first six weeks of the season. At least yes.
1: the first six weeks of the season. To me, the biggest one here, I think the Packers can get around it. Elkton Jenkins is a stud. He's going to kick out the left tackle. I don't think that's going to be a massive issue. What's that interior
0: look like? Can we pause there? What does that interior look like with Elkton Jenkins moved out to left tackle? So it's probably
1: going to be Lucas Patrick and all of a sudden breakout star. Royce. Royce Newman. I said that weird. At guard. And then Josh Myers, the rookie at center. Right tackle going to be Billy Turner. So not, not as good as it was last year, obviously. But, we said gone. That. but that still has the, it's still not a liability offensive line, I will say. That is, a, that is a serviceable, and especially with the way the Packers have started running their offense, where they are not, they're not putting their tackles on islands quite as much as Mike McCarthy was. That, that, I, that They're serviceable. They're going to be fine with that. The one here that I think is very impactful that I'd be worried about is Michael Thomas, New Orleans. Jameis Winston, God love him, throws with anticipation as much, if not more, than almost any quarterback in the NFL. That guy will throw before wide receivers breaks left and right. When you do that, though, your wide receiver's got to win. So when he's in Tampa and you got a Mike Evans, you got a Chris Godwin, you can put up 5,000 yards. He can put up stats because his wide receivers are winning. When you're at Florida State and you have this talent advantage, you can do that. But you can't do that to a Marquez Callaway. And Marquez Callaway, great preseason. Going up against top wide receiver, cornerback, so are we still going to trust Marquez Callaway to produce the way he did? Are we going to trust Traquan Smith to produce that? Dante Harris? like they don't have talent at wide receiver. They are one of the most barren. We talked about the Eagles wide receiving core right now. The saints are a far worse wide receiving core than what the Eagles are about to throw out there. So that to me is worrisome for the saints here for six weeks without a go-to guy for James Winston. Yeah. That starting lineup is
0: going to look like Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith. Maybe you see a Jordan Humphrey fit in there. I don't even know if he might've got a cut. I mean, this is a, this is a tough so receiving core for James to work with. And as good as those two throws those two throws to Marcus Callaway looked, it's not a big enough sample size to feel all that confident yeah. in him stepping in and replacing Michael Thomas's consistency. And also, like, I think you you brought up the anticipation standpoint. I'm trying to look for the word here, not consistency, but, like, there's a a level of expectedness with he's going to run the right routes and, and do those oh, things. Yeah. He's trust confidence. the trust, the confidence that you'll have in Michael Thomas. Gilmore. Obviously did not have the season that many expected from him in 2020. I think he ranked inside the top five in PFF grade in 2019 and 2018. How much of a loss is this? Now them starting JC Jackson and Jalen Mills it's at outside corner. They
1: got, they got deep secondary though. You got Jonathan Jones there as well in your secondary. Like you have bodies to throw out there at corner. You're you're not nearly as good, but it's, it's obviously Stephen Gilmore is the guy though. He still is that dude in that secondary. So it is impactful. But like I said, the biggest one here, Michael Thomas to me.
0: Go to PFF.com. Check out our cuts tracker. We also have a handful of articles up on these players going on the pup. You can also use promo code kickoff30 for 30% off any PFF subscription. Um, that helps you with fancy football, getting the grades, the stats, all that stuff we speak to. Go to PFF.com, subscribe, support Mike and myself. You can also go to, I didn't bring this up, PFF tailgate merch. It's live. Shop.pff.com. Oh, yeah. Go get yourself some tailgate merch. I'm donating $3 to St. Jude's Children's Hospital for research. Every single item purchased, we've already had over $500,000. No, no. That would have been pretty sick. $500 in merch purchases so far. Definitely go to pff.shop or shop.pff.com to buy some tailgate merch. Docs, next here, we are going to look at... The all rookie preseason team. This is an article that comes out today. Actually, if you're listening to this, you probably already have it on pff.com. Going to go position by position here, looking at the best rookies in the 2021 NFL preseason. Can we couch this with that? Does it mean these players are going to be good? (laughs) Like, this is just like, hey, these guys played well and there's some positive sides. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's one of these things. It's you, this is not saying they're going to be great. But if you had to choose, you would rather the guy be on this list, you know, like just in terms of like pure odds. You'd rather the guy be playing well right now if you're going to be and there's a reason
0: the there's more reason for optimism as a fan yeah. or as a proponent of a player for them playing well than not playing well but there isn't as high of a percentage or as much the correlation is not nearly as strong as yeah, yeah.
1: it would be like for a regular season or mm-hmm.
0: but i would also argue that the percent of optimism or the number how much optimism you have after this should not mirror how much negative or pessimism you have mm-hmm. if a player plays poorly. Yeah, I think it's right. obviously more for positive. I don't know if I said that right. That was kind of confusing. All right. <laughs> yeah, I had no clue what that
1: meant, go two ahead. Two
0: New England Patriots start the list here. Mac Jones, we've already talked about a decent amount, has played really well this preseason, but also running back Ramondre Stevenson, who yeah. I want to bring this up. His running back's coach, I don't remember who it was. His, Ivan Fears, I believe, for the Patriots. They asked him, What does Ramondre have to do to prove himself? He said, Everything. Or where does he need to improve? And he did. I mean, he, he, he came in, I think, out of shape and improved as the preseason progressed. And honestly, you know, was one of the more
1: impressive, if not the most impressive running back of any, even non-rookies yeah. this preseason. He was dominant. Now he didn't run with the ones, but 13 broken tackles on 30 carries is good no matter how you slice it. Now, he also had a fumble, which I'm going to go out and limit say Bill Belichick's not a big fan of fumbles. It's probably going to get you in his doghouse real quick. He had three fumbles on over, on just over 160 carries in his college career. So that's enough for me to raise a little, hey, red flag. You might have a little fumbling. That's something that you got to watch out for. It might cost him some PT, but dude, on the ground, he was looked like the what you want in a power back.
0: This Patriots backfield, from a fantasy perspective, I know has drawn a lot of spotlight, especially after the trade of Sony Michelle. But now they have Damian Harris, James White. Ramondre Stevenson, and J.J. Taylor, who I saw lately was expected to make the 53, and then obviously the Talk fullback, Jacob better, Johnson.
1: Because we're going to get to him a little later.
0: Oh, we're going to get to what him later? Is? I'm excited for that. Yeah. But Damien Harris, I think, is the lead back, quote-unquote lead back, but this is going to be such a hodgepodge of touches that uh, I don't expect any of them to have more than you know, 50 or even 60% of the offensive snaps. When it's all said and done. Good word.
1: Good word, hodgepodge.
0: Hodgepodge, you like that? Yeah. You like this? receiver Terrace Marshall, the other all-rookie preseason, also with Boy. Michael Strong. Colts rookie, former 7th se- rounder out of Charleston. We didn't watch a ton of his tape.
1: We literally didn't watch any of his tape because I couldn't <laughs> get any. Uh, like, fucking, it's like asking around, like, hey, can you get me Charleston tape? No. We don't <laughs> even know. Fuck, we don't even know where we'd <laughs> Who are you asking that just flat out said no? Uh, Mike Parker. <laughs> okay. I believe they, the video guy here. He's like, I don't think it's, don't think it's happening. You no, know, we might but
0: have to leverage some relationships strong. with Galco, Nagy. I know. In there. the
1: future, you're going to have to. So 6'5", 224. Ten catches for one hundred thirty yards this preseason, the most contested catches of any rookie. Four, it's a big ass dude, and he's an athlete, like athletic. Um, He's going to get real deal playing time,
0: right up Carson Wentz's alley.
1: He's going to, yeah, he is going to be. He has very good ball skills for that size. Now he still suffers from some of the issues you see from bigger wide receivers in terms of getting off the line, separating. But I like the way he was physical. Like he knows he's two twenty five. He's not playing like a like a two hundred pounder. He's not trying to shake guys. He is trying to throw you off of him. And that's it's a good start. Uh, so fan of what he brings to the table. And like I said, he's probably going to get some actual snaps as a rookie for this team.
0: Michael Strahan, uh, obviously the success story out of Charleston, but we kind of skipped over Terrace Marshall, who we were talking a little bit. I mean, it's a deep receiving core with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore there. Mm-hmm. But how he's been leveraged this preseason and the, re, the, re, the reunion with Joe Brady... I'd be really surprised if Terrace Marshall wasn't a consistent target in this offense. I think he's going to be—he's going to have a bigger role than maybe just looking at the depth chart would suggest, given that they have Robbie and DJ Moore there.
1: Well, so I think he's going to play the slot role, which is you know the Joe LSU Brandy. offense that was the hot—the hot commodity it was who played. That was just Jeffersons. That's what actually Marshall did last year uh, at LSU when he was on the football field. So I think he's going to do that. That's where he was when their first-string offense was out this past uh, week. He spent 17 of his 23 snaps in the slot. So he's going to be that guy, um, which again was the lead role in college. Now maybe not so much in the NFL, but he did lead all rookies this preseason: 3.93 yards per route, 181 yards, uh, 181 yards on 46 routes. Yeah, I think he'll be that. That's a tough. We're about that's a, that's a tough wide receiver core to go up against. They're throwing a lot at you in terms of matchups to have to. Account for. Is wilds-
0: Marshall better than Jamar Chase? Are we ready to make that claim yet?
1: Oh, I mean, he's caught. He's not. He's caught more balls. Drop fewer. Yeah, I'll, I'll make that. No, I'm kidding. No, there's no way <laughs> I'll he's make better that. than Jamar. Chase. Let's put it on, that's our quote graphic. For the this damage. Episode.
0: The damage. Bengals fan in the booth is just not happy about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: that, that's Jamar's going to be fine. Don't worry. Relax. Guys. No yeah, one's relax. There's like been like two wide receivers whose careers have actually. I think, gone in the tank via drops. One was Braylon Edwards. I think he got the yips. Warren Michigan-Wire to the Browns. The other, Greg Little. See he with the Browns, too? They, they all go to the Browns. Greg so, Little was a former Bengal, bro. Come on. He? connect the dots. It's not, <laughs> it's
0: not looking good. Maybe, something, maybe it's the skyline chili, honestly. If that thing doesn't give you yips, it gives you something. It gives you something bad. Um, all that
1: chili all over his hands, he's eating it.
0: It's oh. that or clutch, which we know Jackson Garman is also <laughs> all about. All right, uh, tight end Kenny Yeboa. Former Ole Miss tight end, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Caught a whole this past
1: weekend. You yards, six yards. Giving the Jets so much confidence that they're willing to trade Chris Herndon to Vikings. So, Yaboa, the biggest thing, the biggest like reason for encouragement for me was how he looked as a run blocker. Issue at Ole Miss was more wide receiver than actual tight end. I think it looks solid. So, 78.74.8 run blocking grade, blocked well on the move. I, I think he could actually, in that offense start like that's obviously an offense that requires run blocking tight ends tight ends that will stick their nose in it i think you both did enough to show that he could actually see the field in that regard
0: offensive tackle stone foresight the former florida offensive tackle we highlighted him as a steal in the sixth round and also sam cosme who you talk about run blocking that's where I, he's been the most impressive he has actually been moving people in the run game, getting up to the second level, showing off that athleticism for the Washington football team. And he's slated to start. If I'm not mistaken, he's going to start at right tackle for the football team and stone Forsyth already putting in good work as well.
1: Yeah. Massive. That Cosme had looked competent this preseason. If he was a trash bag, it didn't matter. He was going to be thrown out there because Morgan Moses ain't walking through that door. So he's much better player than city Charles, in my humble opinion. Um, I think he's firmly the right tackle there. You got Charles Leno on the left side. So, Washington football team, offensive line, much maligned. Thought it could have been an issue. I think they will be solid enough this year. I think that's going to be a competent offensive line. Stone Forsyth, not going to start for Seattle, but looks like he could be a good swing tackle. So 75.3 overall grade this preseason. That's solid for a sixth round pick. That's hell more than solid for a sixth round pick. We said he was one of the steals of the draft. Now, again, like I said I don't think he starts right away, but for to have depth, to get depth at tackle that can actually see the field in the sixth round has to be chalked up as a massive win already.
0: A pair of day three interior offensive linemen highlight the two guard spots on the all-rookie team here. Jack Anderson, a seventh-rounder for the Bills. And then Royce Neiman, the former Royce Newman, the former Ole Miss off the tackle kick into guard. And already playing well, fourth-rounder for the Green Bay Packers. Both these guys playing above expectation. Royce
1: Newman, especially with David Bakhtiari on the puppy, he's could starting. be starting. I think he's starting. I do think he will. He's been that Are you okay good. with me saying on the puppy? Uh, no, but whatever. <laughs> What am I going to do? I can't stop you. Uh, Jack Anderson, though, had one of my favorite blocks the preseason. He took out Bears linebacker Josh Woods on a combo block, uh, flat-backed him. It it was a – just caught him. I don't think he even saw him. Just caught him right on the back. Like one of those that you definitely get the wind knocked out of you afterwards and you just kind of – you're sucking for air the whole next play. Mm.
0: Uh, The only time I've ever been flat-backed was I was sophomore in high school on varsity and i was playing scout special teams getting in practice and the senior i'll never forget this guy alex manley sees my chumbled ass just trying to figure out what i'm doing like it was like punt it was on punt um i think punt, i was playing i don't even know what i was thinking with. punt punt return or punting story's getting hot it's yeah like and then um he just completely fucking killed me and i nice. like, literally couldn't even breathe like <laughs> it was so doing that against your own guy though that's not even chill but yeah. uh that's a, that's the story. That's my Austin Gales High School, which I know everyone <laughs> came for. Uh, center Creed Humphrey for the Chiefs. Another guy oh, yeah. that playing right where they need him to. You know, expected to now start for the Chiefs.
1: Yeah. And so his story 75.6 run blocking grade, 83.7 pass blocking grade. Like He's playing the ones, though. He's with the Chiefs' first-team offense. He is their starter. All the more impressive in that regard. One of the most... I would say he was the most NFL-ready centers in this draft. Like he was, he had been three-year starter at Oklahoma, gone through it, was elite athlete testing-wise. Like they got, she's got a good one. Like right out the gate, you could, you don't, can't tell, you, you don't know where he's going to go eventually, but you know on a football field tomorrow, he won't be out of place. Before we move to the
0: defensive all-rookies here on the preseason team, the NFL is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly. No matter what, take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boost Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code PFF to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, for, for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana. A 1-800-9 with it. Oh, my favorite DraftKings bet or DraftKings update. Mm-hmm. They, took the Mac, they took offensive rookie year's bets off right when Mac Jones was named the starter and Cam Newton was released. And then he was plus 1,000 before they took it down. Yeah. Now he is plus 600 Ooh. to win offensive rookie Did he rookie leapfrog year. Zach Wilson? He did leapfrog, leapfrog Zach Wilson. Right now it's Trevor Lawrence at plus 350, then Mac Jones at plus 600. And then Trey Lance and Zach Wilson are still both tied at plus 750. Oh, I, don't I don't understand. I don't understand how there's that much value on Wilson, who is a known starter. Versus Trey Lance, who likely is not starting in San Francisco. But yeah. go to DraftKings and place that bet. You could do it. You could definitely do it. All rookie team defense, starting with the two defensive interiors, Levi and Muzurike, our guy. Also big friend of the pod for the Detroit Lions, playing well. And also Christian Barmore, another PFF favorite, standing out for the Patriots.
1: Yeah, this is a, uh, a well-done NFL sort of moment. These were DT1 and DT2, I believe. In this past nice. year's draft,
0: so well done, PFF.
1: They, yeah, they, they were no. We actually didn't have the ZT one, DT two. We had McNeil, who also played well. Lee McNeil looked good for the Lions. But we we kind of talked about Barmore and on Onwuzurike in the last two weeks of shows. When Onwuzurike looked much stronger than we saw him at last time he was on the field, 2019, in Washington, and Barmore pass rushing power, it's still there. Encouraging signs for both.
0: For Edge, Quiddy Pay, who has done it against some backup offensive linemen, but he's done it well. A 94.2 overall grade, the former Michigan Edge, now playing for the Indianapolis Colts. Also, a friend of the pot. Can I say this? All of these but Christian Barmore, I guess, are friends of the pot. Quiddy Pay, mm-hmm. Levi Muzurike, and Joe Tryon all joined two-for-one drafts podcast, but they're part of the tailgate family. So Joe Tryon is the other rookie edge here. He has looked like a completely different player. You, I, So I was watching a lot of his pass rushing snaps, and then I went and watched his run defense separately. Mm. Him chasing on the backside of runs was like, I know those aren't like always the otherworldly impressive plays, but he is so explosive, so fast down the line. He's oftentimes making a ton of plays on the backside of runs, which is, I think, something that's super impressive.
1: Yeah, we've we've talked about these. So these, I'll even lump in. Here we go. Quidi Joe Tryon, and Micah Parsons, at linebacker, we'll talk about next, who makes the all-rookie team. Physically, like we talked about those guys as being, you know, elite athletes coming out of college, they still look like even on NFL fields where everyone's faster, the game's faster, they look like they're still on a different level. And now that's not too surprising. Parsons pay all time dra- all time pro day performances like mm-hmm. they were all time sort of athletes, but it doesn't always sort of that the way. speed of the game, the way you play doesn't always,
0: especially with the pro day inflated right numbers and stuff like that. And some that people were second well. guessing some of that,
1: but they look like. Different dudes, all three of those guys from day one here that they will be producing in some way, shape, or form. And Parsons, especially, like that guy, he could be a top five linebacker this year. Parsons, he's that's like, a quote he's just low, Social teams coming. He, he's just sh- still shedding blocks the same way he did in at Penn State, where it's just like it's second nature. He, he's just going around a block, and he's not even thinking about the fact that a block's coming at him, and he's off of you. And and it's uh, it's because he's you know. 250 pounds and he's running a 4 3 5 at you. That's why, like, it's because he's just such a different athlete.
0: I do think rookies playing with confidence in the preseason is a sight for sore eyes because you didn't see rookies yeah. playing with confidence a ton last year. Yeah. There was not a lot of rookies. Like, I think the biggest example for me was Patrick Queen. Like, Patrick Queen. Was not as confident and so much more reactionary than he was instinctive in his year one. I mean, you could say that about any of the linebackers last yeah. year, though. Like it was just harder to be confident because of all the install over Zoom and the COVID impacted season, et cetera. But moving forward here, Elijah Sullivan, did this San Francisco 49ers find another hidden gem at linebacker or are they just developing talent? I think it's a combination.
1: They, they know their scheme and what fits, and it's just guys who can move. It's like basically they put them, they give them that freedom and guys who are. So, Elijah Sullivan, if, for those who don't know, Kansas State linebacker, six foot, 215. Hand up, we didn't even scout him. He did not grade well back at Kansas State. He had a 60.7 overall grade this past season, 2020, 65.3 the year before that. Those are his only two as a starter at Kansas State. Undersized, whatever. He earns a 90.7, I believe, overall grade this preseason. Targeted 10 times in coverage, didn't allow a single first down. Now I don't think he has a necessarily a path to the football field, but he did enough to make that roster as UDFA. On to and I think he made the roster, correct? I'd, I'd be I'd be floored if he didn't.
0: I think you should double check that. I should. You got a cuss tracker on PFF.com. Hmm. Cornerbacks, I'm going to read off all three. Nate Hobbs, fifth rounder out of where? The Fighting Illini. That's where Brett Bielema's house. Coach of the Year candidate. One of the best best tailgate spots so far this year. Nate Hobbs for the Las Vegas Raiders grading out really well at fifth rounder out of Illinois. Literally the only tailgate spot this year. Sorry. It's the (laughs) best for now. Yeah. Might beat out Columbus. Who knows? Quarterback Patrick Sertan didn't play a ton, but man, did he look good? I think the other part of that too is, I mean, he just looks so pro ready. And then the nickel, talk about players playing with confidence. Elijah Molden, rookie out of Washington, playing slot for the Tennessee Titans. Dude is playing out of this world. That freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers game was otherworldly. Friend of the pod. Elijah Molden. Also a friend of the pod. Sertan yeah. too. Patrick Sertan and Elijah Molden, both on the two-for-one draft slash tailgate podcast.
1: Yeah, Sertan, Molden. We don't need to talk too much more about them. We've pumped their tires enough. Molden looks like your starting slot there in Tennessee. Sertan, I bet mean, the dude's got to start. Give me the Hobbs you got, love, man. a lot. But Hobbs, I think it's going to be your starting slot. Really, Vegas. I think he ends up got Nevin Lawson there. Probably your slot. Maybe a Meek Robertson. He played very well in that role. Now, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I could be blowing smoke, but man, 90.7 overall grade, uh, 30 of those snaps coming outside 27 of his snaps coming from the slot, picking a pass break against the Rams is a high, high level athlete. I think he went four four with like a 40 inch vert at his pro day. I want to say he is, he's something that they were missing in that Talent? secondary athlete <laughs> there are a lot of athletes so we'll, we shall see but that's yeah, actually so we went good you four, want we 448 40 and a half inch vertical 11 3 broad and you know you can fake forties all you want you can't fake verts and broads at Pro days. those are real deals
0: you can't fake verts and broads last two here on the all rookie preseason team safeties Andre Cisco of the Jacksonville Jaguars also former Syracuse safety also a former PFF favorite and then Jamar Johnson the Indiana safety, who we had on this podcast, our Dem- huh? Our guys, our guys. Yeah, Denver Broncos. Now on the Denver Broncos, also a mm-hmm. friend of the pod.
1: Two two forced incompletions, sixty nine coverage snaps for Jamar Johnson. Only allowed three of five targets for twenty two yards. Now that, there's not really a path to the field. They got entrenched safeties there in Denver, but hey, job well done for him. Whenever he does get called upon, fifth round pick. I mean, that secondary is loaded. It really is. And now Andre Sisco, I was most impressed with. He was doing a lot of his work from the box. He had a 76.5 run defense grade this preseason. He didn't give a shit about run defense at Syracuse. He was, he was trying to make plays and coverage for that. He, knew, he saw it was a run. He's like, please don't get through the second level was his kind of mindset. But now you're in the NFL. You know, you got to make that shed. You got to get that second contract. The dude is putting in work in that regard. So he's your starting safety there. One of them.
0: One, I love the shout outs from Quinn about friend of the pod. I think that's a great, a great piece too. Jamar Johnson, seven total tackles this preseason. What? No missed tackles. I remember the biggest thing for him was missing tackles and taking some poor angles, but that is the all rookie defense team. You can check out that article on PFF.com on to the next one. Before we do so, have to shout out our guys, Homefield Apparel. I'm wearing the shirt right here. Homefield Apparel uh, is a new partner of the Tailgate Podcast. Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate clothing brand out of Indianapolis. Incredibly comfortable, officially licensed, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield is in the middle of Big New Saturday Season Two, where they launch a new school collection on every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern for 16 weeks straight. This is a fun one. They got they just released Georgia, Wisconsin, and Florida, but this Saturday, and I think this gear could be sick. North Carolina. North Carolina Tar Heels this Saturday for home field. I am a big fan of the shirts. I think the crewnecks are sick. I'm waiting for them to come out with some hats. We need some home field hats. I'm a big hats guy. Use promo code PFF to get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com. That is promo code PFF. 15% off. Get ready for college football tailgate season. We're on to the 2021 breakout candidates. We have this by position. Let's start with quarterback. I
1: love this take. And this is what uh, I'm basing this off of what I saw in preseason. And oh, wow. Now Dangerous game. Dangerous game. And I'm not saying these guys, some of them aren't even necessarily slated to be getting that much playing time or being that guy in their respective teams. But I think based on what I saw this preseason, they will earn said playing time as season goes on. Number one quarterback, it is Tua Tagvaloa. And obviously slated to be the starter. And the confidence he looked with, played with, night and days is for him as a rookie. And I think I said it on... Maybe the Monday pod when I was like, he looks like every snap now, like his best drives from last year. His best drives from last year is just him at every snap. He had drives last year where it was like throwing guys on breaks, unafraid of pressure, moving in pockets, scrambling when he needs to, but like making plays. That's every that looked like that was every drive for him this preseason was just at least that confidence. And now that didn't go great every single drive for him, but you at least saw him looking like the guy we saw at Alabama, and the takes that came after his rookie season, some of them, irresponsible. They were irresponsible to put that much pressure on a guy who was coming off of not only an injury, but a literal career-threatening injury, didn't know, his career was in jeopardy, didn't know if he was ever going to play the game of football again. The mindset that, like, the fact that he had some issues as a rookie with his confidence, with his consistency, is very forgivable. So, I expect a breakout season for him. Now, the offensive line could prevent that, and it is not a good offensive line there, but I think Tua to Tunga You looks, have to hope Looks and much, I know, much, 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 much better.
0: I know the offensive line is good. You have to hope there's some steps forward with some of these young guys. It's such a young offensive line. And Austin Jackson hasn't. Taken I will say, those...
1: Liam Meikenberg looked really good. I think he'll be good. You have guys there that do look good. I Robert, think the interior, I like... interior will be solid. It's your tackles that I worry about.
0: Man. This preseason, a 75.9 PFF grade for Tua Tungamailoa, an 80.6 adjusted completion percentage on a relatively high average of the target, 8.0 average at the target, and also got the ball out relatively quick, 2.68 seconds time to throw. Talk about confidence, anticipatory throwing. The offensive line could be a death knell, but adding Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell to this offense is going to add some spark that I don't think their receiving core had. Um and that defense, I think, is going to put them in good situations. I think Miami. Yes, guys,
1: that will be open. Those guys. A lot of radio
0: hits I'm going on are asking me, "What's a playoff team that didn't make it last year, but will make it this year?" I think Miami is a nice pick. I like Miami bouncing back. they were like a late season collapse away from I mean, making it
1: last year. They literally, what well, they had 11 wins last year. It's not yeah.
0: that hot take. I didn't think it was a hot take. That's <laughs> nice. It's a good call. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah. What preseason team? What What do you gotta be a dick about like that for?
1: Well, I mean, like you, usually, if you want a preseason team that wasn't. You go, it's like, oh, look, give me an off-the-beaten-path one. Give me bangles. someone no one's talking bangles. about. Bangles. I yeah, should have said the Bangles. I should have said the Bangles. Me the, give me the well, I course.
0: like to do a tongue in my low as a breakout, too. I like the Miami Dolphins to make the postseason this year, even though that's a lukewarm, shitty, cold take, according to my No, nope. Just lukewarm. Running that's back, it. J.J. Taylor is your next breakout candidate. Yes, this sir. Is, I don't agree with this.
1: See, this is the one where it's, I don't know if he has the path to the field. But, for my money, he is the better player between him and James now. James better. White? him James White. For that James White role in that offense, which James White has had a monopoly on, obviously, because he's James White. That uh, was <laughs> stupid as hell. But for the James White role in that offense, for the receiving back position, J.J. Taylor was fucking great this, this preseason. Mm-hmm. 179 yards rushing on 23 carries, six broken tackles, and then as a receiver, and on top of that, he went 10 catches for 62 yards. Clowned. Who was the DB that he absolutely clowned That I've, spin move. I don't think I've filmed. ever seen a like a spin move that it just you didn't even touch him. It was probably like three yards between him and the dude after a spin move. It was JJ Taylor, five six, one eighty five, very difficult to even touch in space. I, I think he gets starts getting snaps as, like I said, breakout candidate. And like I said, I'm basing this off of the preseason, so there weren't a lot of backs getting a ton of run who are other breakout possible breakout. Candidates.
0: I think the elephant in the room, or maybe the mouse in the room, with JJ Taylor. For those who don't know, he's the New England Patriots back out of Arizona. Former undrafted free agent in 2020, he's five foot six, one eighty five. Yeah. He's a small player, and that's where you know the path to the field also comes up. Maybe he is a better player than J- James White, but that size is tough to overcome.
1: Deann Lewis, similar to the size, maybe going Got a breakout.
0: I think another in, player I'll mention that work. played well this preseason work. on limited snaps and is projected to be kind of in a committee role is Devin Singletary for the Buffalo Bills. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a breakout. I, I'm still agreeing. I'll, I'll stick with the JJ Taylor, but okay. um, still played well.
1: Yeah, uh, wide receiver. I'm sticking with the same team. I'm going to Jacoby Myers. I think he is the best pure separator in that receiving group. He's going to play a ton in the slot, which as we've seen in that offense, that's where Edelman raked. That's where Welker raked. Now obviously, Moss is a different animal when he came there, but like that has been the targeted role in that offense. Jacoby Myers is going to be that guy, big catch radius, working the middle of the field where Mac Jones is. That's where he is. That was his bread and butter is working that intermediate behind the linebackers. So I do think Jacoby Myers in for a big season. And we saw a hint of that this preseason.
0: Jacoby Myers, former undrafted free agent in 2019 out of NC State, 6'2, 203. It speaks to the big catch radius. I love him in the slot. Like his separation ability maybe is the best on New England, but I think where he's best is like getting into the middle of field, well, identifying those zones. He's yeah.
1: not he can't sep- he's not going to blow past you. He's yeah, not gonna exactly. be getting open deep.
0: I think the that comp guy. I made for him was Jason Avant when we were coming out in the draft. But I do I, I think him owning the Gosh. middle of the field and being that uh that bigger player.
1: Another, coming. hey, how tough is scouting? Jacoby Myers in en route to be number one receiver. Kelvin Harmon. Yeah. Not even on the roster.
0: Former NC State receiver as well. Harman, four fourth receiving yards last Washington? year.
1: The number one receiver at NC State, his like for three years there, was that yeah, fourth rounder. He was, or was he a little bit a little bit later on? Jacoby Myers, the UDFA. Now, Jacoby Myers, like I said, going to be a number one, and Harmon not even on the roster. Tight end, you don't have a breakout listed. No breakouts yes. this year? No breakout this year. That there's From what I what saw in the Hawkinson? preseason, I thought Irv Smith was going to be that guy. Then he tears his meniscus, meniscus surgery before the season. Probably not going to be, at least um, until he gets back. But based off what I saw preseason, there was no one that really stood out to me. So there you go. TJ Hawkinson has been talked about as a big breakout candidate. People think he can enter the big three
0: in terms of being top tight end in the NFL. Well,
1: he, he did have the third most yards in the NFL last year, so calling him breakouts a little eh. Fair enough. But I, 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 It's good. I mean, I just thought he broke out, right?
0: Your, your two offensive linemen, Jordan Mailata and Kevin Dotson. Mailata, oh, yeah. the tackle for the New, uh, Philadelphia Eagles and Dotson, second-year offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: So the crazy thing is, about in Philadelphia, I'm watching tape on Mailata, and also Andre Dillard, former first-rounder, oft-injured, missed all last season. And I watched a Dillard, and I'm like, damn, he looks good. Dillard looks very good. And I watched Mylata, I'm like, yeah, Maelotta's the better player here, which is oh, wow. Lotta, obviously, the story when he was Australian rules football, seventh-rounder uh, back in 2018. He's 6'8", 346. He looked like a top 10 to 15 off tackle in the NFL. Wow. This preseason. He's going to probably be that in 2021, I would say. So Jordan Maelotta. Yeah, it play, he, he was starter last year. Obviously, Jace Peers going down was solid, but he looks like a different animal this year. Kevin Dotson, the interior
0: offensive lineman guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a fourth rounder in 2020 from Billy Napier's Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. Has been very good this preseason. Has played at a very high level. He's one of the highest-graded overall players, if not interior offensive lineman. He's played at a very high level. Dotson looking to be, I think you call him looking that he's playing like an all-pro, Pro Bowl level.
1: Looks like he's playing Pro Bowl level this preseason. 120 snaps, 91.1 overall grade. I would expect that to continue. He just looks like he just looks like a pro guard. I'd be like under control, moving dudes, very comfortable in his just what he does. I think he's breakout candidate for sure.
0: Moving to defense, talk about a comeback, Malik McDowell. I know for the Cleveland Browns, and he made the roster. Yeah, bouncing back this preseason, looking the part for Cleveland.
1: Yes. So Malik McDowell, Michigan State, 2017. He was the second rounder. For the Seahawks. Oh, he's hyped 30, up more than that, too, though. He's a second-rounder, but he's he even talked
0: about as, like, a legitimate talent.
1: Yeah, he was higher on the PFF draft board, fell to the second round for off-field considerations, which proved to be warranted. He gets an ATV accident, um, doesn't play it down for the Seattle Seahawks, I believe. Uh, then gets arrested, uh, resisting arrest. There's a video online, mildly entertaining uh, to watch. <laughs> it's kind of an absurd video. Um, was like hammered out of his gourd it would appear from my my viewing but now he's back and just an absolute animal like looks like so at his game at michigan state was he was like 295 he's like 6'6 295 he's kind of a finesse player like he was swimming dudes, says he's trying to win with his length long arms whatever he is just going through guys this preseason and it didn't every single game just move resetting the line of scrimmage I think he gets serious playing time there on that Browns defensive line. So 21st on the PFF draft board back in the day. So the talent was there. The the between the years was not. Edge, Marcus Davenport. We've
0: talked about a ton in recent episodes. The New Orleans Saints Edge, uh, now a firm, firm breakout candidate uh, player that the New Orleans Saints for uh, trade two first rounders to go up and get uh, Marcus Davenport looking the part now.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of edge candidates, I'd say that are in this breakout. Alex Highsmith. Alex Smith was AJ Epinesa. We've talked about those dudes, but no one was quite as dominant as Mark Davenport. 93.6 grade into in 49 snaps this preseason. Between the Baltimore game and the Jacksonville game, he just was running through guys. And, and that's why you draft a guy who's 6'6, 265 who runs 4 or 58 because when they figure out how to bull rush correctly and they figure out their hand placement and when they figure that out, I don't care who you are, it's tough, it's difficult to anchor against a guy that that big and explosive. It just is. And so that is and that when you when you got you can't stop a bull rush, a guy will bull rush you every single time. So I think Marcus Stamport in for a year for the New Orleans Saints. Him and Camp Cameron Jordan could be in the in the mix for top edge doing the NFL. Monster
0: bounce-back candidate after being a first-rounder in 2020 for the Seattle Seahawks, Jordan Brooks, linebacker yeah. out of Texas Tech, 6'1", 245. Well, you know, that was a PFF grade that had a magnifying glass on it. A lot of Seattle Seahawks fans upset at where he was grading last year, a 50.0 grade in 2020, 29.4 coverage grade. But down the stretch, started to show up as a run defender, really showed up as a tackler, now in this preseason playing a lot better and looking to be the player they drafted.
1: Yes, I, I do think. Brooks is about to be maybe not K.J. Wright-level good. K.J. Wright's prime was obviously great, and they, but he's he made K.J. Wright expendable with how good he's been this preseason and uh, probably how good he was this offseason why they never even signed K.J. Wright. But 81.7 overall grade, 65 snaps. Um, just he's high-end athlete. The guy is 245 pounds, ran the four fives at the combine. Um, so we can cover Ground and just watching them take on blocks, watch them come downhill, much more comfortable, look far more like the player we saw at Texas Tech. So that can be your. And they don't they don't leave two linebackers. They 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 keep two linebackers on the field all the time. They leave they play three linebackers, probably way too much, but they will not go fewer than that. So he will be on the field a lot this year.
0: Byron Murphy, a cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals, who they're desperately going to need to break out, is on this list as well. Malcolm Butler officially put on the retired-reserved slash list. I think Daryl Worley was also released. They have a very shallow, shallow cornerback room, obviously moved on from Patrick Peterson as well this offseason. But former Washington defensive back, someone we were really high on, I think he was our cornerback one in the 2019 NFL draft, went in the second round, the first pick of the second round, Byron Murphy, 5'11", 190, only 23 years old. You have that highlighted in your notes here. I want to bring it up. Only 23 years old, despite entering year three. Yeah. This past season, a 64.7 PFF grade.
1: Yeah, this guy came out really young, redshirt sophomore. Played mostly slots first couple seasons. He's going to be outside. He's going to be there. Oh, I'll kind of Chris Harris role where he plays outside and base. Three cornerbacks come on the field. He's the guy dropping down into the slot. That's so, a hard role to play. Hard role to play. But when he lo- against Kansas City, at least, Byron Pringle and company. He was eating their lunch. Like When he was asked Yum. to play man coverage, he was Purpose all lunch. over him. Uh, had to pick a pass breakup in the preseason. I think he's going to be good. He looked like a different player. Looked uh, far better than what we've seen from in years past, with the obvious caveat of a lot of it was against Byron Pringle.
0: But also the number change, I think, is a factor.
1: Yes. That is, I had to highlight here, too. He's number seven now. Going back to that, is you, can't, you can't You can't. quantify that confidence. You can't. That, that you honestly can't.
0: The uh, other thing I'll bring up is he's another guy we talked to in in prior to that draft. He's one of my favorite interviews, a very cerebral player. I was really surprised that he started out as slow as he did, only a 48.3 grade as a rookie and 64.7 in his second season in the NFL. But bounce back candidate, I'm excited to see it. Safety, Amani Hooker, another PFF darling. A guy that we really liked coming out of Iowa, an 81.7 grade so far this year, looking the par for Tennessee.
1: Yeah, so he's going to be the most primarily boxed, I believe. I uh, would just... Spitballing is an outsider's perspective. I like think he's going to be mostly boxed. That's where he's comfortable. He can play in the run game. 76.1 run defense grade this preseason. 81.7 overall grade. A very good tackler. 210 pounds. Solidly built dude. could even drop down and play a slot with Kevin Byard being your deeper guy. Free safety. Roaming. That sort of thing. Uh, really like what I I believe that this could be a very solid safety tandem. If he has a breakout year three here. That, that Titans defense might not be all that bad. Like we kind of shed off some of the off season. I think that for, you know, what they did at cornerback, just kind of skewing, skewing that position uh, altogether, releasing their starter from season go. But I think it could be, I, I like the way it's kind of coming together.
0: They have what Christian Fulton there, the former LSU cornerback yeah. starting on the outside and the other corner. um, I'm, trying, I'm blanking on the name who they have. I mean, the they other signed
1: uh, Jack rabbit.
0: Jackrabbit, Janoris Jenkins there, the veteran at the opposite side. Um, it'll be interesting. I think uh, Caleb Farley, the first round or
1: two. And, uh, and then you have Miles, uh, not Miles, the safety that we just did. Slot corner we just talked about. Uh, I'm, so, I'm confused. I mean, they got. Amani I- Holder. Elijah Hunker. Molden. Elijah Molden. Sorry. Elijah Molden. Oh, oh yeah, duh. Yeah. Of course. Elijah, our guy. I was thinking of Miles Bryant, who just got cut by the. Did he get cut by the Patriots? Patriots, yeah. He had a
0: good preseason. Too small. Too small, former Washington defensive back. Before we get to our last three segments of the day, Bus Watch, I Fucked Up, and First Round Lock, mm. bring it up, Western and Southern, proud sponsor of the Tailgate podcast. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? However difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them back by over 130 years of experience. Together, we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, Life Insurance, Retirement, and Investments. Bus Watch. Player, you're willing to declare a bust right now? A re- recently released player by the Detroit Lions. They tried to trade him. They couldn't get any takers. The number 43 overall pick in 2019, Jelani Tavai.
1: This one still blows my mind. Anytime you say, anytime someone says like, you uh, you don't work in the NFL, so you don't you don't know. They, they, you think you know better than someone yeah. who works in the NFL. When Jelani Tavai thinks- got picked? I was fairly certain I knew. It was just the guy was not an, he was not the athlete that wins in the NFL day at linebacker. Just wasn't He ran like a four, eight, five coming out of Hawaii 43rd. Overall, the rumor was that they picked him, Bob Quinn and company because Belichick liked him. I don't think Belichick liked him 43rd overall high. And if he did, he can go sign him now if he wants (laughs) because he's gone. (laughs) Didn't like enough to trade for him. Yeah. 32.1 overall grade last year in 2020. Uh, Derek Barnes, I get tweeted out. Has made more plays, more impressive plays this preseason than Juwan Tavai did in his entire NFL career. And Derek and that's Barnes It's not hyperbole. Rook at Purdue. He's gonna he should start there. I don't know if he's going to, but he should start there. He's a much, much better player. The he's, I fucked go ahead. And in the same mold. Like in the same mold, too. He is the athlete that, though, you can win with in that mold. The I fucked up segment here. Here we go. Are you ready? I think it's confident that I did fuck this up. Now, is it completely? I'm not writing this. This guy isn't bust watch. This isn't this isn't bust watch. This isn't. I'm not really I'm not gonna go that far, but I can confidently say that for having Andrew Thomas OT1 last year, that I fucked up. 48.5 pass blocking grade this preseason. So a lot of the same issues we saw last year. Tristan Wirs, comfortably a better tackle. Makai Becton, comfortably a better tackle. Jedrick Wills, comfortably a better tackle. I said though, I will say, in my defense for this, I fucked up. At the time. In the Giants shoes, I said trade back and pick whichever one falls to, because there wasn't a big difference. We had Andrew Thomas at eight in the board, Tristan Worst at nine, Judith Wills at eleven.
0: It's a great tackle class.
1: It was a great tackle class. So if there, if you can get anything, you can get a third rounder and it always says takes two to tangle. Well, you can you can flip back for you can go way under the chart and still get something mm-hmm. if you're gonna draft one of those tackles, which shit. In retrospect, I wish you would have had that nine times. But, yeah, like, Tristan Wirfs is the one that you should have drafted in that class.
0: Uh, I'm going to add uh, I my own I fucked up. I remember on this podcast saying Marvin Wilson is the player people think. Um... E. Auburn, I'm missing his name now. Derek Brown is. Derek Brown is, which is completely false. Marvin Wilson looked like ass this preseason. What happened to Marvin Wilson? He's never an athlete, a former five-star, but never the athlete you need him to be have success. But that 2019 campaign pre-COVID, we had him on this show. He battled some weight issues. He's, I don't think he had a single pressure for the Browns this preseason. Really struggled even as a run defender. He was released by the Cleveland Browns.
1: He had the highest contract of any UDFA. He was, the, he was
0: the most sought after of any UDFA.
1: There had to be some injury, something, or whatever, because he wasn't like I don't care how like bad he played in the end of like he wasn't that bad in college like to where he was a UDFA. There were there were far worse players. There had to be some medicals on him that just people didn't want to touch that are still affecting him.
0: Yeah, I mean, because in 2019, I believe he was one of the highest graded pass rushing defense tackles in the country. Yeah, and then fell off, has fallen off so far.
1: Yeah, it's like we weren't the only ones who were high on him after mm-hmm. 2019. But then he just looked like a different player after that.
0: First round lock, last segment here. The to recap, we're gonna do this segment every single week. And you are until? Until the draft.
1: No. Oh. Till the Until the, until championship the draft would
0: be kind of absurd. National <laughs>
1: championship game. There's <laughs> literally more than 32 yeah. weeks until then. <laughs> this <is all> this <laughs> so we got twenty one weeks from when I started last week till the national championship game. Twenty one players that I'm going to declare first round locks.
0: I love it. First
1: one you declared was Derek Stingley. This of LSU. week. We're going Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon. Going out on a limb. I love it. But I'm ready to block it in. Kayvon Thibodeau is our second first round lock. The Oregon Edge Defender. If you don't know about him and you're listening to this podcast, did you consider
0: any other names here?
1: Uh, there's names I got in my back pocket, but that's
0: for next week. Yeah, you gotta save it. Gotta save it. And I think you have to save the QBs too. QBs. Save this segment the QBs. will get more interesting about 10 weeks from now. It's yeah, yeah. Okay, right okay, now. That's why this segment, we should probably skip past the segment pretty quickly here. Yeah. Kayvon Thibodeau and Derek Singley, the only two first-round locks through two weeks of this segment. Let's now jump to our interviews. I got Washington football team running back Jared Patterson on this interview. He didn't know if he was making the roster. He officially makes the roster. They released Peyton Barber, creating room for the rookie out of Buffalo. And then Cal head coach, Justin Wilcox, who I thought was awesome. He talks a lot about defensive back play. He was a former defensive back at Oregon. They have a loaded secondary there at Cal. Two really fun interviews to get to. Let's get it. Now joining Tailgate Podcast is current Washington football team and former Buffalo back Jarrett Patterson, a monster this preseason. Standing at you know even at just five foot seven, five foot eight, depending on what roster you look at, you have been fantastic this preseason as a rookie undrafted free agent for the Washington football team. It is an honor to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Before we focus in on obviously the, you know the the impact you've had on Washington this preseason I kind of want to turn back the clocks a little bit for the people that don't know Jarrett Patterson was a monster at Buffalo and specifically over the past 2 years you know he had 7.7 yards per carry in 2020 5.8 in 2019 but I think everyone knows you for the 409 yard 8 touchdown performance against Kent State where I want to ask you where to start, is when you were going through that game, did you expect to have the numbers that you did? And I guess when you were totaling 200, 300, and getting close to that 400 mark, could you? I guess what was going through your head and talk me through that performance overall.
2: Yeah, just that day was just uh, very special. You know, just how I feel like it just, uh, you know, lay it out. You know, um, I wore the number 41 that week and, you know, in a program. Uh, 41 is means a lot, you know. Uh, a passing, a, a fallen teammate that passed Solomon Jackson, and the coaches pick a person to wear uh, that number to for the game, and they picked me. And uh, you know, I I can say I definitely you know represented him and his family very, very well, and it just everything was clicking. The offensive line was doing a great job, and you know, just just I just noticed, you know. Uh, after six I'm like man that's I just stopped counting and I'm like I just know I had a lot of, lot of lot of touchdowns a lot of yards and just really I just wanted to uh, close out the game you know because they beat us the uh, previous year uh, mm-hmm. late and I just wanted to you know kind of just put the game away and I was just my mindset uh, going to going to that game.
0: Well, you put the game away, my friend, for sure. And then, obviously, trans- transitioning to Washington, you're an undrafted free agent. And I've read, you know, reading some of the reports, Chase Young, you know, childhood friend, was the guy talking to Ron Rivera saying he's got, he's got to sign you, he's got to bring you to Washington. Speak to the relationship you have with Chase Young and how things have fared so far. You know, teaming up with him in Washington.
2: Yeah, I've been knowing uh, Chase since middle school, since eighth grade. You know, we've been tight. Uh, throughout the draft process, giving me advice and just asking, you know, which he's been reaching out. Out and just in the draft, kind of day three, you know, uh, he was saying, man, just be patient, you know. And he kind of vouched for me, uh, like you said, to Costa Vera And you know, I end up at, at Washington, you know, uh, the home team, you know, wa- you know, uh, the team I grew up rooting for. You know, I'm from P.G. County, uh, Maryland area. So you know, it, I feel like it's been uh, everything but good, and it's headed in the right direction. And it's just a blessing uh, to be here. As an
0: undrafted free agent, what has kind of been your approach to this offseason? I guess every single day, every single practice, what have you been prioritizing, uh, whether it's playbook, on field, strength and conditioning? Wh- where have you prioritized most of your efforts?
2: Uh, I feel like uh, 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 kind of a little bit of everything. You know, uh, when I even made the jump to the clear, uh, my mindset was it's not how you get it in the NFL, it's how you stay in. So uh, that, that's the mindset I kind of carry, you know, every single day. You know, just taking. I'm just taking every opportunity. uh, You know, I get just taking advantage of it. You know, and and just trying to uh, just put my best foot forward to show coaching staff. You know, I I can be a guy at the next level.
0: You've also leaned on. I know Maurice Jones-Drew, a guy who's kind of similarly built, a smaller, compact former NFL running back, now an analyst with NFL Network, as a mentor. What has he taught you, or I guess shown you, in the time that you spent with him?
2: Yeah, he's taught me uh, a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, just, just what, just help me with my routine, and just really, uh, just told me, uh, you know, it's about uh, just really once you once you uh, figure out your routine, just keep keep uh, you know keep perfecting it as the years go on.
0: How did you come into contact with him, and I guess wh- when did that all start?
2: Uh, for Maurice, we met through. Uh, you know, for the same age sports group, you mm-hmm. know, we they they represent both of us, the sports entertainment group. And you know, I met him training down the draft and in, in, in Florida and at Pete Bomarito's. And you know, we kind of just hit it off there. You know, I, you know him being an undersized back like myself, I kind gravi- of gravito- gravitated towards him, and he kind of you know gave me advice and just told me you know about the business and you know just told me how to take care of my body, you know, just be a student of the game and. Like I said, learn that routine and just sticking to your routine and and just really just being a pro.
0: So obviously, you know Maurice Jones-Drew, Chase Young both have both po- have had a positive impact on your NFL career thus far. Who else would you say has helped you out the most, whether it's the coaching staff or other players, since you've uh, got there down in Washington?
2: Uh, like you know those two, you know my team, like the sports, my, the sports entertainment group, you know kind of helped me and just pick, put me in the right situation with with Washington. And uh, I feel like that th- those people just said, you know, Chase Young, um, Maurice Jones drew and, and th- those people really kind of helped me, you know, making this transition easy.
0: How about the, the big guy, the starter, Antonio Gibson, a second year player out of Memphis who is a was a monster last year and is expected to do really good things as a starter in Washington. Maybe you given an opportunity to back him up. What is he? What have you learned from him? Another young player in this league that's having success?
2: Yeah, I learned, you know, from, I've learned from a lot of guys, you know, in the room, AG, you know, like you said, you know, Peyton Barber, you know, JD Just all those guys, you know, just, you know, how to be a pro, you know, when I'm not taking a rep, I look at, you know, what things, you know, they did good or what things, you know, I would have did differently and just, just learn, I just stay learning, you know, from, from each and one of those guys that, you know, kind of helped my game.
0: Last one for you, Jared. And I'll let you go. Really appreciate the time. You know, you've been through a lot of adversity, undrafted free agent, told multiple times, too fat, too short, too slow, whatever it may be. Now you're in this rare position, unique position to legitimately make this 53 man roster and have a prominent role as a rookie. Just how, and you grew up a diehard Washington football team fan. Just how much would this mean to you to get that opportunity with Washington to be on this 53 and have a prominent role as a rookie?
2: Yeah, it would, mean a, it would mean a lot. You know, I mean, everything. You know, uh, like I always said, you know, I, I had the mindset uh, it's not how you get in, it's how you stay in. But it would mean a lot, you know, to have a, a, a good car, but a nice role and whatever I can do to help the team, obviously. And like I said, I'm just uh, blessed to be here. Fantastic stuff, Jared. Really appreciate the time. Thank you so
0: much. Now joining the tailgate podcast is current Cal head coach, Justin Wilcox. I love that you're based out there in Berkeley. I'm a former barrier guy. I talked to a lot of coaches on here. I talked to Clay Helton down in USC. These people are experiencing better weather than me, but I'm glad we're able to get you on the show. And I really appreciate your time.
3: Yeah, it's good to be with you.
0: Let's start with the secondary here, specifically Josh Drayden, the slot cornerback there. He's really high on pro football Focus's radar, has had a ton of success in that role in recent years, offers a veteran presence to the Golden Bears. How important is Drayden to the success of this secondary and even this defense as a whole?
3: Yeah, very. Uh, you mentioned it. Josh has played a lot for us, and he's played outside corner, uh, but uh, really does a great job at, at the nickel spot. Mm-hmm. you know, our slot corner position or our nickel. And Josh has uh, has played a lot. Uh, he's got a ton of experience. He's a very uh, instinctive guy. He's very coachable. And uh, I think he's, got, he's primed and ready for a great season.
0: Yeah, You have a lot of other talent in the secondary there at Cal. Daniel Scott and Chiggy Anusium, Elijah Hicks. What are your expectations for this group? And I guess, do you feel this is an obvious strength for this Bears team?
3: Yeah, I like this group. I think with Josh and Elijah who have played a lot, uh, Daniel Scott and Chiggy have both uh, last year played more and more and have really put their time in. They're more experienced. Uh, maybe not the same number of banked game reps as, as Josh and Elijah, but have been here a while and know our system. And then there's some younger players that I'm really uh, eager to see. You know, at the safety position, Miles Williams and Raymond Woody, they're, they're both gonna play uh, this Saturday. And then at corner, I think Colin Gamble uh, is a, a young player that we're, we're really excited about, and he'll play quite a bit for us outside. He could also play some nickel at times, but uh, some young players in there that are really eager to get on the field, and I'm, I'm uh, excited to watch.
0: You're a former defensive back yourself played defensive back at the university of Oregon in the late nineties. I've talked to some other coaches about what they feel is the most coachable or the areas in the secondary where you can most improve with coaching. And then also what are these other areas where it's kind of a prerequisite, what has to be kind of God given to be good at at cornerback or even safety?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, the God given things are obviously your, your height and your frame (laughs) and, uh, you know, we had a couple of different examples. You know, Chiggy, for example, is a 6'1", 200 two-hundred-pound corner. He's got long levers. He's high-cut, um, and so he's built, you know, genetically with some really good length. And um, you know, one of the that that allows him to do some things at the line of scrimmage and be more aggressive using his length at the line of scrimmage and press coverage and things like that. So that's a hard thing to to teach. You know, you can't teach a guy to be tall. Um, the long speed and the agility, both those things, you know, when guys get moving down the field, um, especially at, on, on the outside at the uh, corner positions, do they have enough long speed? Uh, I think that can be incrementally improved. Uh, you don't usually, you know, take a slow guy out of high school and make him fast. Um, I think it can be increased, you know, marginally. Um, and, uh, Uh, I think there's an element uh, in terms of the instincts playing the ball. And uh, some guys have a really good feel for that. And some guys struggle with it a little bit more. And it's another one of those things I think you can improve, uh, you know, marginally. Maybe you go from a five to a seven in terms of your instincts and ball skills. uh, But you traditionally don't go from having zero instincts to having great instincts. Um, So those are the areas I think, you know, we talk about God-given. Uh, but I also, I don't want it to make it sound like you, you limit yourself um, when you talk about height and weight. Uh, there's different corners who play really well who aren't six foot one. You yeah. know, they're 5'10", uh, they're quick twitch, and they have another redeeming quality. I think, you know, Josh is an example of that. Josh is not, a, not the tallest guy in the world, but he's got twitch and he's strong and he's got really good instincts. So he can play corner. He's got to play it a little bit differently than, say, Chiggy does. Uh, and he can do really some good things in the nickel spot. So I think Josh Drayden and and both he and Colin Gamble are very similar in that regard. Um, you know, the things that you can coach, I think obviously the technique part of it, uh, footwork, hand placement, eye control, I think those things can really be improved. And I see a couple of our younger players, uh, especially these freshmen who come in, really just have played the game on sheer athleticism and now are learning how to utilize their physical tools to make them more complete players. And I think you see the really uh, a good amount of growth in the first couple of years when you're teaching the fundamentals of playing that position. So I think uh, there are certainly things that can improve. I also think there, to your point, there are things that when you're talking about just the uh, the height weight, uh, the twitch and long speed and then the, uh, the instincts for playing the ball that I think you can improve, but I think on a, in a marginal basis.
0: You've had a unique opportunity to work with a lot of different coaches in your coaching career, you know, Boise state, Tennessee, Washington, USC, and Wisconsin speak more to your defensive philosophy. I know it's a high percentage of what we see is very well executed cover three. It's obviously a schematic principle, but what are some other themes or even philosophical principles that you prioritize on defense?
3: I think, uh, well, everybody's going to say this, but I believe it. And (laughs) we, act on it uh, daily is it's a fundamental game. So you're talking about footwork, hand placement, how to strike blocks uh, if you're a front player, uh, how to play with good technique and coverage. So we, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, going back to basics and you hear that a lot in the bye week and, you know, fall camp. Well, we really try to go back to basics every day. And we spend a lot of time on individual and technique and we spend a lot of time on tackling and uh, emphasizing great tackling technique. Um, And so it's a fundamental game in that regard. And we're gonna always make sure that we, we're not gonna sacrifice the fundamentals to put in a new blitz, for example. Um, I do believe uh, for us, uh, being multiple in our fronts and uh, coverages, uh, you know, trying to make the other team hunt what you're doing and not, not let them line you up. I mean, offenses are so good. There's so much skill on offense these days. And the coaches are so good uh, that if you're, if, if they can just line you up and they know you're in over quarters, well, you better be damn good physically. Yeah. I mean, you better have really good players to be able to just line up. They know what you're in, you know, what you're in and uh, may the best man win, you know? So I think, you know, balancing that so ha- having enough in our arsenal, and we do that in spring ball and do it in fall camp. We're not creating things throughout the week, but we have to have enough uh, of a menu to make the off make it harder for the offense.
0: And that balance, just to kind of add a comment there, that balance of chasing disguise or multiples. With also teaching the fundamentals is probably just the hardest thing to do, you know. Like that's 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 that yeah. hard balance to strike on the defense side of the ball. That's really interesting. Here you say um, another defense player I wanted to highlight was Kwani Dang, who I read somewhere making the move from inside outside linebacker returns for his sixth season at Cal. Another veteran presence to help you on that defense. How excited are you to have him back at Cal?
3: Oh, big time! You know, coin and it's coin. Just coin. To, that's on me. Yeah, that's coin, on me. That's all right. Um, <laughs> Coin and both he and Cameron Good are two outside linebackers. So they play our outside linebackers in three, four, and there are our, our edge players uh, in our four, two, five nickel stuff. But uh, Coyne is a talented guy. He's played inside linebacker, as you mentioned, uh, played it well and was very productive there. We felt like both for him and our team, uh, it would be best for him to play outside. And so he's made a really a seamless transition there. He's a... Uh, you know, the tangible things. I mean, he's six foot six and two hundred and forty pounds. He's he's tough. He's a uh, very smart, and uh his transition has been very smooth and uh not not surprising, just knowing what type of kid he is. He also provides unbelievable leadership for the team. I mean, he was a JC transfer and within a year he's a team captain. I mean, he's a highly regarded member of the team by everybody, uh, from the coaches to the players to the people that work in the building. He just has a really uh uh special character and so we expect big things from coin and as i mentioned him and and cameron good who's done done some really nice things in his career here uh we feel really good about that position
0: a couple more questions for you coach before i let you go i really appreciate the time i'm gonna shift focus a little bit to the offensive side of the ball i know we focus a ton on defense but expectations for chase Garbers, the quarterback at cal and bill musgrave entering year two together I know there, you know, it's probably very difficult for Garbers and Musgrave to hit the ground running with obviously the COVID impacted Pac-12 season, a lot of insult over Zoom calls and those things. How much has their relationship improved? And uh if you could speak to expectations for that for that duo.
3: Yep. I think uh as you would expect, being in person uh for you know the this uh, since January, you know, talking about offseason and then spring football, uh summer meeting, summer workouts, uh, fall camp, that's been invaluable. Uh, last year, I thought you know Chase did the best job he could, as did Bill with some really unique circumstances, not only uh, for us out West, but also here specifically at Cal with some, some of the restrictions that were, were placed on us. I think those guys did a nice job trying to work through a difficult situation. I, th- I think uh, Chase has played a lot for us, as you know, and uh, has had some really good moments. And now it's about, you know, performing consistently at a very high level. And we, I know he has high expectations for himself, as do we, um, I think we're, you know, more complete around him in terms of the skill positions, the, the offensive line. And I think uh, Chase is primed for a, for a really good year and his relationship and understanding of the offense uh, is uh, significantly improved from where it was a year ago.
0: Fantastic stuff, Coach. I uh, apologize for some of the name mispronunciations. I appreciate you helping out there, but I'm glad we were able to get you that drink of water as well. This has been (laughs) a fantastic interview, and I really appreciate the time. Best of luck this upcoming season.
3: All right. Thanks, Austin. Go Bears.
0: That's going to do it for the tailgate podcast a lot. This is a loaded episode, Mike, loaded episode tomorrow. Make sure you send in your questions, your Thursday trivia questions and your mailbag questions for the Thursday episode. You can follow PFF underscore tailgate and send a DM there or leave an Apple podcast review. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, producer Max Chadwick, Mike Quinn, tailgate podcast.